Every habit that we have has been shaken up across 2020, which opens up new possibilities and brand new perspectives. Today's guest is the master of perspective and growth. Welcome to Stand Out Life, a podcast dedicated to living boldly amongst the busyness and the mess of our world. I'm Ali Hill, psychologist, and what I know is that when we share our story and when we are courageous enough to dive into the questions, things change. In this episode, I sit down with a returning guest, Mark Matthews, to dive into the changes of this year and the ways that finding possibility amongst the new and the unknown has opened things up for Mark. Mark shared his incredible story from big wave surfing back in episode 38. It is an absolutely extraordinary ride, yes, pun intended. And if you want to find out more about his professional history, then tune back into that episode. In this conversation, we kind of put some of his background and story to the side, although it bubbles up. And we chat about putting yourself in the path of pain and anxiety to be drawn towards the pull of growth even when it's hard and how to rise to high performance when everything around you changes. Mark shares a practice that helped him in his professional life, something that was so critical that he actually created an app for it. You'll be amazed when you hear it. As we move towards this reflective time, this wrap up of the year that has been and we start to look ahead for the year that is next, then I encourage you to take the time to soak up the wisdom, the reflections and the insights from Mark Matthews. Mark, welcome. Welcome back to the studio. Thanks for having me. It's, Excited. Uh, it's cool kind to be nervous. Here. I don't know. <laughs> Something about speaking and being recorded and thinking in your head that people are going to listen to what you're going to be saying. It's like an anxiety provoking situation i know this is the point where i go like this is just nothing we're just sitting on a couch having a chat the fact that we've got massive microphones yeah, <laughs> yeah. you got massive earphones on there's cameras everywhere there's lights in my face <laughs> but this is normal Don't worry. totally it's normal. normal have a cup of coffee <laughs> <Just> and relax <laughs> so look we are sitting down july 2020 and what a year 2020 is been. Yeah. how how are you it's crazy like, I, I feel really fortunate, I think, in so many regards compared to what a lot of people are going through. I think, and anyone living in Queensland should probably feel fairly fortunate in a lot of regards as far as the restrictions and lockdowns. But then in saying that, everyone's got their individual situations and as far as how it's affected their work, their industry, and what's going on there is is so tough for so, a lot of people. And it's, I mean, for me, financially, it's been really difficult as far as... 90% of my income was coming from keynote speaking at conferences and I mean I was I was doing well and it's kind of like I was earning the sort of money in my life I never dreamt I would and I never earned that surfing ever and I was like wow this is a whole new life ahead of me and I'm like finally gotten to the point where I can buy myself a house and like everything's really good and then blink of an eye gone the whole and industry it, gone and like, it was literally and I'll remember 13th 14th, 15th March. Yeah. Like it was those exactly days. That. And then it was like from there, email after email after email after email, just all the jobs that are like projected that you've got locked in, that you secure income for this long, gone. It's what was that wild. wave like going through like those days, seeing those emails, seeing that kind of what, what, 
what kind of came through and what were some of those voices, I guess, in your head? Because some of it can be, no, this will be all right. Yeah. Like you've faced trials before. This isn't new. Physically you're safe, you're physically okay. But then what's what's the other side of you saying? It was weird. It was it was a roller coaster of emotions. Like sometimes you it was kind of in disbelief and it's like, you know, they, they've got this wrong. You know, it, it'll come back way quicker than what you're thinking and, and you kind of go from positive about it. And then the, it's, it's kind of everything's kind of new. So even though it's bad, but the, the fact that everything's different and new it's kind of has an element of excitement to it. So then, like on in those regards, you kind of like you go through a stretch of being positive. It's like, okay, I'll just – what's the word that everyone uses in business? It's like you shift Pivot. Pivot. <laughs> I hate that word, pivot, man. It's like I'm going to pivot, I'm going to take – like and then you're Finally, like, it's my time to you're pivot. You're all excited about it and then you realise how much harder it is to do than just like don't worry, just pivot is like – Oh man, no, <laughs> I'm so sick of hearing that. It's tough to do, really yeah. tough, because it get you go back to scratch. You know, like all the skills and what you were doing in one area, a whole bunch of that might just be completely redundant, and then you're doing it in a totally new environment. So you've got to learn everything all over again, and and you've kind of gone through that painstaking journey to become comfortable doing what you're doing, and then all of a sudden you got to shift and do it all again. Which, I mean, it's tough. It is exciting though as well. It's the combination of all of them. And I, I've been lucky, I think, just with other challenges in my life that it's like the adver- I've been through different levels of adversity like a lot of people have. And, and just knowing that I've gotten through those journeys and situations in the back of my head, it's like, I can do this. You know, <laughs> No matter what the world throws at me, I'll figure it out. So I feel like... Um Every habit that we've had has has been shaken up. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways there is that, oh, now what do I do? Because habits are part of that automatic and we just kind of can go through the motions. But on the, on the flip side where you talk about the excitement, there is also then this possibility to go, oh, well, actually maybe what was not serving yep. – is something that we can we can look at doing differently. Is there anything that you've let go of in this time? Any habits or uh, methods or things that you were doing that you actually go, oh, I'm actually happy to let that go? I think, like the to, for me that the radical changes has forced me to focus harder, work harder get rid of being lazy and comfortable in in certain areas because it's kind of like I did the hard work to get to the point where I was getting a lot of keynotes and and making a great living just doing the one keynote to the the similar audiences and it worked every time and and everything was fine but then I mean in the industry that we're in there's so many variations of how you can make an income with the knowledge that you have and being able to sell that knowledge to people but I never went down all the other avenues because they were difficult I I didn't need to and yeah and and that would have taken time and hard work so I think just that laziness I think I kind of was able to I forced to shed that and and look down some different paths that were tough but like we said, kind of exciting. So that, that's been the good part of it. I think it's forced me to put a bit more effort back into what I was doing. 
expand, look at a few different areas. Yeah. One of the other things that's changed since we sat down is uh, you became a dad. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> you got little Tilly, he's just over 12 months old. How has that kind of changed, A, your world, uh, but B, in amongst this environment, what are some of those perspectives that sometimes having, having a, a daughter, having a child that can give you? Oh, man, it was as far as anything in my life that has happened, and I know it's cliche to say this and everyone's always like, yeah, of course. Like people that don't have kids are like, yeah, we know, we know. It's special <laughs> to have kids, yeah. And then people <laughs> that have older kids are like, yeah, we know, we know. It's But, man, nothing changes your perspective on life more than when you have that first baby. Like, And for me, being someone that has taken physical risk as part of my career, nothing shifted my perspective around what risk I'm willing to take more than having someone so vulnerable that I'm that responsible for. And it's it's been tough to deal with as far as because now there's so much more fear added to surfing big waves for me that and and I have to completely shift the way that I do that to not take the amount of risk that I used to because to me it's kind of that would be selfish if I was going to take that much risk when someone's that dependent on me you know what I mean um so that was the biggest shift for me it was radical and then I'm like I'm a fairly neurotic anxious person as it is I know that's weird to be a big wave surfer but and be like that but that's just my personality trait and so having a baby I'm like the ultimate helicopter parent and I'm like terrified of everything that's happening all through the day. It's like, so it's the exhaustion off the back of that for me has been crazy. And I think it, it is a lot to do with my personal personality trait of being highly neurotic and kind of thinking the worst about everything. And like I see her... Now she just started walk, walking, walk down the hallway you're, to go play in a room, and I can I can envision <laughs> envision two hundred things that could go wrong just with her walking down the hallway. And it's like it's just it's sucking all my energy. It's like you can like now I've got to like learn to get beyond that and sort of trust you know her ability as it as it grows. Like and and that's like a mental challenge for me as it is that's huge isn't it and even when you put it in that perspective amplified or not i think um, most people and again whether you have kids or not it's that sense of whether it's a business or project you're working on you can be so protective and you look at every risk and every reason why it's not going to work um and yet sometimes and and kids are the great leveler in that regard that geez they're resilient geez yeah. they bounce geez they can cope with and in fact trying to protect them from pain or being hurt as much as you go you want to minimize that as much as possible that's where we learn as human beings exactly as well. yeah and i know that for myself and i can I, I put myself through all of that like take on the pain to force yourself to grow but it's just so hard to see or to ha like sort of shift that mindset around your your tiny precious little daughter, <laughs> you know. And I, but I do understand. I, I I mean that's my personality again is to kind of study up and read every single thing about being a parent, and nothing comes through more than all the stuff that I've looked at is that the overprotection of of your children is actually can be more detrimental down the track. Like there's course a balance but 
being overprotective is very dangerous for them it seems like from from what i've come across so i fight fight with that non-stop <laughs> and my wife's similar to me so we're constantly trying to rein ourselves in <laughs> just something else to be yeah. worried about right? yeah, exactly <laughs> look even as a psychologist i know i'm screwing up my kids on a daily basis so <laughs> just the heart and parcel of it yeah. if i can come back to what you said like even a moment ago and bring it back to you and your own kind of growth and learning putting yourself in the way of pain um, or challenge or struggle is a pathway of growth. How how do you do that? Like what are the ways that you have done that throughout your career but even now as you kind of face uncertainty and change, what are the things that help you or even that decision? Because our brains and our body are hardwired. The moment you see pain and struggle is to say no, mm-hmm. run, go the other way. Um what strategies have you used to actually face that? What helps you to do that? Yeah, I, th- I think it's it's the understanding, and you know this within being a psychologist is like the only actually tried and tested method other than pharmaceuticals to alleviate anxiety is voluntary exposure therapy. It's like take the individual, slowly put them into the environment that they're scared of, like the, and they have to do it willingly. And then as they do that, they develop skills to navigate the environment and and they learn that the environment isn't too dangerous for them to exist in and you just slowly build up a tolerance to the environment. And I think understanding that, the way I play it out in my head, it's like the quicker I can do that and force myself to go through the pain, the discomfort and develop those skills, then the less stress overall in my life I'm going to have to to face and and even the less danger when it comes to surfing. So it's if I can seek out those stressful environments and put myself in them as much as possible to develop as quick as possible, then I won't have to deal with the fear for a long time. And I learned no better example of that for me uh, as a learning curve is public speaking because I was just naturally want to avoid it all the time, do as little as possible, only go out and do the talks that I needed to do. And the experience was that it was, I was terrified every time I did a keynote and it was absolutely exhausting and taxing every time I did it. And I thought to myself, eventually it's like, I'm going to do this for the next 10, 15 years. If I keep going the way I'm going now and I'm doing a keynote every week or so and this is stressing me out, it's, I'm gonna, it's going to kill me eventually. Like that level of stress and anxiety in, in 10, 15 years, I'll have some stress-related illness, you know. So it was like, okay, i got to go through maybe a year of pain of just go out, put yourself in front of ev- anyone who will listen and talk and speak and get used to it, get comfortable, build skills so that you can – deliver the ideas out of your head, speak to every audience and different demographic that you can so that eventually you'll understand that what you're delivering will work and you'll feel comfortable when you do it and it just won't be so taxing. And I think the year after doing that, not last year, the year before, it's made all the difference for me. So you actually set that, you went, I'm going to do this for a so that set that time frame. Is yeah. that what helped you stay stay in it? Yeah, I figured it's because I'm aside from being neuro- overly neurotic, I'm hyper introverted too. So it's like 
Public speaking is like the worst <laughs> career path. But but to me, like it's it's just uh, more stressful for me than it is for some other people. But for a lot of people, it's public speaking is terrifying. Like it's pretty normal. Um, but I just figured it's like I can go and do something else that's more suited to my personality profile that I'm more comfortable doing. But as far as a career path, like I could retire in public speaking in 15 years, whereas anything else that I'm able to do, it's like I'm doing that for 50, 60 years to, to, for the same sort of financial reward anyway. And um, so it was like, well, I'm going to choose to do this. I don't want it to kill me for the, for the stress and the anxiety and, and the person it turns me into. Like, cause the whole lead up to me speaking, I'm, I'm a grouch cause I'm so stressed, you know, and, and it drives my wife crazy and it just like ruins your relationship. So I was like, what will it take for me to become comfortable? And, and when I sort of planned it out and starting from where I started, it's like when you're hyper introverted, you just don't talk. Right. So you, I've had a lifetime of, saying the bare minimum amount of words you know <laughs> and so i had to make up for like 35 years of saying the bare minimum amount of words and to, to get comfortable speaking i figured a year it was probably good and it's like whatever courses i could do whatever training i could do doing podcasts like this like anything i could do to just the voluntary exposure therapy that's put what it was in the put way, myself yeah. in the the situation and it's just eventually just it slowly tapers down to the point and and there's there's a a turning point that i think happens where you you go from viewing what you're about to do like the a talk or a podcast that that was nerve-wracking before and provoked anxiety to it just kind of switches a little bit and then it, it feels more like excitement like you, you still uh, like your senses are heightened, but you're excited about doing it rather than than feeling stressed and anxious about doing it. Yeah, and as opposed to getting to apathy, like I don't care, you want to yeah. have a level of um, excitement or energy that sits behind it in order to bring your best yeah. to that environment rather than art. And I no longer know, don't feel fear anymore, but I also just don't care about it. Yeah, which exactly. Can't be the, the goal either. So I love that sense of going right. I mean, part of it is you've gone, made the conscious decision that this is meaningful enough. Mm -hmm. This is worth going through the pain yeah. of, um, and then setting that time frame for you. It was a year, but whatever that is, I think having that kind of almost line in the sand going to give it my best kind of opportunity in that time i am going to take a stab in the gut in the dark and guess that even in that year there was a part of you at some point that went i don't want to do this anymore just that little voice how do you whether it's on speaking, a weekly basis at least for the first like three months on a, yeah. a daily if not weekly basis like what am i doing this for and my head would come up with every other career path i could take <laughs> to avoid this but it does go away eventually so yeah how do you deal with that so again people listening whether it's you know something that they've got to face whether it's um regrowing their business again yeah. whether it's a project that maybe isn't on the right path but it's got to get back or you know getting putting themselves back out there that even if they go right it's it's worth my effort i'm going to put myself in the way of it i'm going to do it for three months or whatever that time frame is 
But when that voice goes, oh, I can't keep doing it, what has helped you to deal with that in the moment? I think what helps the most, like the underlying beneficial thing you can do is have clarity around what you're chasing. Like specifics, like you said, like a, a year. This is It's going to be a year. This is what I'm going to do every single day to to develop the skills and become comfortable. And so clarity around exactly what you want to achieve and then and a consistent focus or reminder of why you want to achieve it. It's like, why, like, so what does it bring? Like, I wanted to achieve it because going, taking this career path meant greater financial reward, which meant greater support for my family, but it also meant that I would have way more time with my family if I could do this career path uh, aside from any other career path that I was going to do. So there were all these amazing rewards. I had to constantly remind myself of them. Practically, <clears throat> do you have that written somewhere? Do you, like what helps you come back to those? I, I found this so valuable when I was a surfer because I did the same thing with dealing with the fear of drowning and surfing big waves to constantly motivate myself. And I, I, I found this so important that when I was a surfer, it would have been almost 10 years ago, I paid about $35,000 to build myself an app on my phone. And not even with the thought of selling the app. or anything. I just wanted an app that woke me up every single morning and played me a slideshow of all photos and pictures that represented my, my goals and what success looked like and, and why all the loved ones that would... Um, be rewarded by me being successful and this slideshow plays it and and it would play my favorite song and the songs would alternate the photos would alternate but every morning i'd be um an alarm would go off and i would see that and then it would go off different times in the day and that was i used that to motivate myself for years during surfing i was, I was only like having to update the app constantly that was costing fortune when every time your phone changes every three months it's like <laughs> so painful but I'm like, if anyone wants to build me the app and keep updating it I'll, I'll give you the blueprint for it i'll give you the software everything because it was so amazing for me but something like that you can build that now in your phone like really easily but so like it like pictures of what success look like and and then the reasons why you want to see see the clarity in that i think is the most important but then how important was it to start your day with that like imagine that would have been pretty powerful very first thing that you see starting my day and then the moments right before in surfing it was the training that you had to do so the training for big wave surfing is you gotta get you gotta prepare to go through what it feels like to drown is the only way you, you get comfortable with when a huge wave is trying to drown you. So that's, you got to go to the deep water pool with a, a free diver. And we both know the free diver that we train with, Nam Baldwin. And, and you're basically wrestling on the bottom of a pool. And it's Nam's job who can hold his breath a whole lot longer than me to hold me down till I pass out. And it's my job to get to the surface to breathe. So it's like the training is the worst thing in the world but it's the experience of yeah what you'll face out yeah there. So again it's that exposure to if i can force myself to do that training consistently then when i go and surf those big waves it's easy compared i've never had a, a wave hold me down as long as Nam can hold me down at the bottom of the pool ever like it's so much easier this is nothing compared yeah. to Nam. so but then i don't want to do it 
No. You know, I never wake up on the morning of a training day excited to go and do that training. The NAM doesn't feature in you. Never. (laughs) No. But then that's why I got to kind of remind myself over and over again to do it. But I think that's the basis, a clear vision of what success is, like goals. Yeah, so having that vision and for you – um, what worked? I love that you actually invested in your own. App. Oh man! And <laughs> so thirty-five thousand dollars for me was life savings. It wasn't <laughs> like I was rich surfer doing it. It was all my money. But the return on that must have been when you look at your career now. So the investment in being able to see see what matters to me first thing in the morning, and then before my training or before an event, some way to kind of reconnect uh, visually. Some people that might be kind of writing that down, but having those photos yeah. and, and reassessing that because that would change, I imagine. Yeah, and I tried time. to purposely make it change so it wouldn't get stale in my head. I wouldn't see like I had a vision of what my my dream house would look like. I had a, a vision of like what my what represented like an amazing marriage and kids and family. Like had a vision of what represented health for me like all these different visions and but i'd make sure that the photos alternate and i had new photos in there all the time so it wouldn't become stale because sometimes when you're like really really flat nothing can like you have to ride some flat spells out like nothing can just motivate you you know you go through those ebbs and flows so if you're seeing those pictures in the super flat days and they get attached to that flat day. So you need something new again. So I kind of tried to make it change over and over and then different songs over and over, you know, like so it wouldn't get stale. Yep. Um, so that's the base, getting that clarity. Yeah. And then having those tripwires, whatever it is, to to pull you back to that. Yeah. What else helps you? I think then, so, so if you've got the direction of what you're chasing, with the clarity, you know why you're chasing it, so you have that element of motivation. But so if we're going on the path of getting voluntary exposure, of doing things that are difficult to upgrade your skill set and become comfortable in what scares you or what you need to be able to do, that process is going to be tough no matter what and you're going to fail along the way because if you're not failing along the way, you're not pushing yourself really hard enough to kind of see what your capability is. So you've got to deal with the failures as well. And you will know this better than anyone you, you, your brain's so wired to like kind of highlight the dangers, highlight your personal flaws, why you're not good enough. Like that's that's the majority of the thought that goes through all of our heads constantly. Like you're just constantly picking at yourself of why you're not good enough, what you need to change. Oh, I can prove it. Yeah. I, can, <laughs> like I can find all the yeah. reasons why. So it's so like that part of your brain, that like sort of cognitive thought process that's constantly playing is one on like – one regard it's highly motivating to push yourself but then to listen to it too often and get too caught up in it consistently it's too stressful like it's draining all the life out of you to think about those negative things all the time so then the the add-ons to the the clear goals and reasons of why uh, are all the different techniques that you read about and the the great techniques of meditation uh, yoga mindfulness practice things to do with diet, exercise, like all these different things that also more on a subconscious level make you resilient in the journey to chase your goals, you know. Um, I kind of I use a framework 
to help me explore what would benefit me as far as as what will make me more resilient in the different aspects of life and it's just a simple four quadrants it's mental physical emotional and relationships and then mental is is kind of that what knowledge do you need what iq like where do you have to to stretch your iq like what can you learn in your given industry that will help you maybe it's technology it's a piece of software it's it's some knowledge from from a book or it's anything around knowledge so that's mental and then physical is diet exercise sleep it's kind of you can't escape that no no matter what psychological techniques you do to motivate yourself or to stay happy or to do anything if you don't get the diet exercise sleep right and you're physically sick it's impossible to be motivated and happy and and driven you know so mental physical emotional like a, a grasp on emotional intelligence and understanding the way your emotions change and then navigating the expression of those emotions and and where you do need to express them rather than bottle them up but then not letting them completely control your actions in outbursts that are detrimental um and then relationships so kind of personal relationships and work relationships and what can you do within there to that that help you be more resilient and more successful in what you're chasing so out of those four things like i you pull out techniques that are that are valuable that will help you on your road and i think that's really useful to have that framework and it's almost a um uh, a checklist in some ways to go what i'm facing do i have the information knowledge who does this really well who could i go and talk to what books are being written what videos could i go and watch i mean even from parenting you were talking about, like, exactly. you know, like, yeah. what do i need to know that will help me to be the best version of whatever that is um the physical i and i'm going to come back to this um because i know that you're one of the things you do is experiment mm. around but you know nutrition movement and your diet movement sleep uh is so critical so what's not working what's out of out of whack out of um calibration there the emotional is a massive one because often we'll go this is just pissing me off or i'm frustrated but we don't have the language to be able to describe that um and certainly right now and I'm sure you're facing it as well, talking to leaders and people within workplaces are going, we're just, we're done. Like it, this is hard and this is exhausting, but they don't really have the language to be able to talk about why, what's yeah. pressing the buttons. So we'll go to, well, I'll have a bottle of wine or a glass of wine to cope with it yeah. rather than talk about it. And then that last one about relationships or relational and how that's changed in in shifts in lockdown and second lockdowns and possibilities and, and borders closing and all of that comes into the mix as well. So I really love that kind of framework. If I can ask you around some of where you've experimented mm -hmm. with different techniques and probably if I hone on the physical one mm -hmm. um, and I'll come back to the other ones, but if we look at uh, diet, exercise and sleep, what are some of the things that you've experimented with in the past or what, what do you focus on? Like if you were to think about right now, what works for you from a diet point of view? What works for you to keep front of mind and exercise? Um, and what's a, what are your non-negotiables around sleep? 
I think to get the most out of your system and and this is where the each of those quadrants are so interrelated like that you and and the, the, a few things to highlight them when but just before we go back to diet exercise and sleep just to show people that they don't exist independently whatsoever it's like if you're super anxious before a performance right uh, and a lot of athletes get this like you can get so anxious that you'll throw up like that and a lot of people get that butterflies in your stomach so your digestion completely shuts down so and if someone's going through relationship turmoil like a divorce like your your digestion isn't functioning whatsoever so it's like you can't just fix diet and not fix the other things and expect that to just solve everything because if there's an emotional problem it doesn't matter what you eat it won't work you know it, it, if there's relationships problems it doesn't matter what you eat it won't work so that's where it's like making the small changes in each area is kind that's of what will complement on. it yeah, yeah. I love that. but to go back to physical diet exercise sleep diet i think and i've gone down lots of different rabbit holes with mm-hmm. diet lots of different i'll give short ones and I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a. No, 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 I've I'm listened to so many scientists and nutritionists, yeah. and and to sift through. What people have to understand is, nutritional science is probably the worst science on the planet. Like it is the, the full of absolute rubbish, corruption. Like it, it's mind bending how bad it is. Um, on top of that, it's it's probably one of the the most difficult to do well because you can never do a randomized controlled study over a long period of time with humans without anything else affecting those humans like it makes it the whole thing impossible but there's simple ones that i think are just you can't debate it's like junk food which is basically anything that has a processed seed oil in it like a canola oil sunflower oil vegetable oil if you read a packaging that has any of those in it it's junk food it's bad for you just don't eat it i think if you get those out you all of a sudden you're going to start eating healthy um if you want to look further into that just google processed seed oils they're full of everything there's there's a moment in time in nutritional history where they said saturated fat's bad for you low cholesterol's healthy and will stop heart disease and from that moment they created this whole new way of eating and i think it happened in the maybe the 30s created a whole new way of eating whole new food the food industry took that on board and just created all these rank products that were built on these variations of fat and oils that are just so toxic for humans um so avoid seed oils and that will basically cut out every packaged processed food there is <laughs> avoid and you, if you avoid seed oils, you probably end up avoiding this anyway. But processed carbohydrate, like it's like if you think of like food as information, like or information going to a computer system, right? Like a computer. If there's too much information going into the computer, you get the little spinning coloured wheel yeah. of death. Like the computer's freezing; it can't deal with the amount of information that's coming in, right? So if you think of diet that way. The processed carbohydrate is too much energy. Like it's way too dense in energy for your body to deal with it. And when you put that in, it's like your body's freezing, like your computer freezes. It can't deal with that much energy and it creates mass inflammation. But 
to cut it out is just junk food. You cut the junk food out and you eat whole foods and drink water. <laughs> it's kind of like it's so such a simple thing. But the hard thing is, is like we're because we've been eating that way since that major screw up in in dietary guidelines. We've all become ridiculously addicted to carbohydrate and sugar. Like in in that it's stronger. I've been through a opioid addiction with a bad injury. I was on huge doses of opioids for 18 months like massive and i had so i had to get off that so it's like detoxing off heroin and that was really hard getting off sugar is as hard like and allowing your system to naturally burn fat is just as hard almost worse because it's everywhere in front of you like and and people don't think it's as bad so that it's not as motivating to get off and is something is that something you've come through in terms of you know significantly changing diet coming off yeah those kind of processed foods yeah radically changed i i eat basically less than 50 grams of carbohydrate mostly and if you go and package and look at 50 50 grams of carbohydrate and you try and stay below that max 100 maybe if i'm doing heaps of exercise but if you start to do that then you're like you'll see what you're able to eat and most of it is like like nutrient dense foods like meat animal products eggs fish like i I just think if you that's the other way to look at food (laughs) i think if you the way people feel about green vegetables right like broccoli and stuff like this ultimate superfood right that's everyone thinks that i think if you replace the way you feel about green vegetables with with meat that you'll be on the right path i think i honestly think if you 80 percent of your diet is meat eggs fish natural saturated fat and then you fill in whatever fruit vegetables in the other 20 percent. that's for me all the different diets i've tested and i've tested them all like high carb vegetarian vegan i've tested them all that is night and day the healthiest one what do you feel what do you notice from an energy point of view inflammation vanishes like so all the pain in your joints and i've had chronic pain for years in different joints goes like blink of an eye and then your concentration levels because your body is is able to burn fat as a fuel and carbohydrate and it can switch between the two and fat as a fuel is just a level of feeling and you don't get high blood blood glucose spikes and dips so your concentration levels way way better um yeah so they're they're the main Mm. things i think with diet i I think if you just don't like you can go it (laughs) depends what performance you're looking for and what you're willing to sacrifice and i I, i'm really strict on it because it's like with surfing it can be life and death and being healthy is just so important you know but for some people that you don't need to be that strict to do whatever you're doing and you might love you know food more than you know what i do and so being that strict is not for you but i think like there's just a a dose effect like you just got to be wary that you can only eat a certain amount of that that junk food before it gets you and and if you look at society today it's scary this health state that we're in especially and what's going to highlight it is the pandemic that we're in now and you can look into the studies of who's affected by it a recent one came out and 
there's a I can't remember the details of this, so it's going to be tough for me to explain. But it's like a certain if you check into hospital with a certain uh, blood glucose level and fasting blood glucose level that's high, you're exponentially more likely to die from COVID nineteen than if you have regular or low blood glucose levels. Like exponentially greater. It's like the biggest comorbidity factor is insulin resistance and high blood glucose levels. So it's uh, overconsumption of, of those seed oils and carbs is what takes you down that track. It's interesting and, you know, I think, um, I mean, yeah, yeah, again, we're both sitting here not, yeah. <laughs> not nutritionists or yeah. any kind of I th- skills I, I could get the right people to come yeah, on the podcast totally, with you to, totally to explain, definitely. But I think what you, I mean, the things that where you talk about is experimenting and seeing, tuning in so well to what are the the outputs from it, whether that's an energy point of view. But the other one that you've just kind of touched on is inflammation and the pain response. Yeah. I, w- I imagine why it's also an absolute non-negotiable for you, having lived with chronic pain, is the choice to go no. And so, yeah, I, um, you know, even that question around that that study that you mentioned is the, the inflammation uh, yeah. impacts of that, you know, in our physicality. We don't – I just don't know that we're particularly tuned in with what's going on yeah i think you get used to feeling a certain way and that's your normal mm. and um and you just think that it, you need a, a couple of double shot coffees to get going every morning and that's just normal but if you you can play around with diet and stuff like that and you'll see some radical differences so that i mean a physical in the physical quadrant <laughs> we went down a bit of rabbit hole yeah. then but i think diet just get rid of the junk food is the best starting point. Just eat whole foods. You can't really go wrong there unless you have a hypersensitivity to something. Um, exercise. I went, I've gone down some rabbit holes on this too. Like, and, and majority of it's to do with over-exercising for me. Um, I think any exercise that enhances posture and has you feeling at the end of the session full of energy and not exhausted, like full of energy because you just did some sort of exercise that's enhanced your posture and and got you mentally in a in a more present state of mind and less stressed. And then you just feel that that's the type of exercise you want to do. Whether and what that is for people is is a personal choice. You might it might be at the gym doing weights, it might be yoga, it might be surfing or a hobby or whatever um i just think the enhancement of posture is so yeah it's so (laughs) beneficial like for your mental health and psychology like the two are just completely linked it's kind of you if you if i ask you to picture someone who's depressed like and they were standing behind that curtain over there like what what did that per like explain to me what a really depressed sad person sick unhealthy person looks like and that's over head down yeah. posture's bad looking yeah. at the ground like all those different things so it's kind of the the de- the depression is playing out in that defensive posture of being hunched like you're scared of your environment it's wearing you down you're like protective and you're, you're so you're hunched in that protective posture but then that's giving like in a feedback loop if your environment's not danger dangerous right there's no need to be stressed or sad but you're in that postural state, which is a lot of us when we got to sit at our computers all day and you're hunched over, 
that's giving your brain a signal that the d- environment's dangerous. So if you're constantly hunched over into it, it's like you're getting the feedback that the environment's stressful and dangerous and it's telling your brain that and your nervous system responds because they can see it in studies. If you just alter posture, they can see on a whole different biomarkers of the way your heart functions, nervous system, different muscle groups completely change the way they function just from standing up straight. And you can test it. Like you can, if you're thinking bad about something or negatively about something, stand up dead straight, like chest out, like head up straight and and try and have that negative thought. It is so much harder to do. It's crazy. Like it just won't happen. It's like, it's just that feedback loop of that, that bad postural state so i think enhancing anything that enhances posture oh, is that, i think yeah beneficial. enhancing posture yeah. and that you feel better yeah um or that you're energized by doing it yeah not exhausting yourself i think everyone's kind of overworked as it is so it's and I, and I think a lot of people the work is so taxing even if it's not physical like it's taxing but what your, your nervous system can do is get addicted to the stressful state and so rather than do something that brings your, your nervous system out of the stressful state into a more relaxed state, it, it kind of, your nervous system wants to stay on the stressful state because you're getting all the like natural painkillers out in your system when you hammer yourself in the gym. Like it's, you can get the endorphin rush and you can get addicted to that, but you may be just continually wearing yourself down. Like a lot of high level corporates do that when, and then they'll go and do um long distance running like marathon running and they'll do that running hunched over in that postural that that bad postural state staring at the ground and destroying themselves for miles on end running because it's like it's almost easier for them to be in that stressed state you know like than it is to actually relax and reset your system so it's it's playing it depends specifically what you need but they're for me the the Mm. sort of things in the physical realm and then sleep think of sleep as the most important thing when it comes to anything physical it's like especially dealing with like highly conscientious people and successful people that are industrious and just they can't relax unless they're doing something productive you know they usually view sleep as being unproductive or Mm. a waste of time and they're not getting things done um, Surely the, I can do it quicker. I can yeah, squeeze it in yeah. four hours. I so can the get best it. <laughs> way I, I trick myself with this is, and the, if you go on, go on YouTube or something and Google molecular animations within the human body, like something like that, and it'll come up. And there's the most amazing animations of what's going on inside your body when just all the time, basically, and when you sleep, like your immune system is so radically complex and phenomenal at what it does. And what you have to do to make it function is sleep. Like you have to sleep and then it functions and it does the most miraculous things that you can't even, scientists can't even comprehend what it's doing. So it's kind of like you can trick yourself to understand that sleep is actually unbelievably productive. I'm working. (laughs) Yeah, you're working while you're sleeping and it will pay off because... You won't run yourself into an early grave. You won't destroy all your energy and then your output at work will end up being worse and then you'll have to work harder. You know, like 
like so it's kind of and that's a hard thing for employers to understand too is kind of sometimes pulling back a little bit will will take you further down the road make you more productive yeah I want to, um, and this is probably a bit of a jumping off point for that, uh, it's a bit of probably a comment of your own personality where you kind of describe I am a person that's on, I'm vigilant all the time, someone who, um, you know, is, is constantly chasing a goal, whatever that is. I want to talk about recovery and recovery techniques and methodology because when you um, – you know, are chasing those big things and you're, you know, I can get the whole get clear on a goal, mm-hmm. um, you know, prioritise those, those quadrants, get really clear on that. Being told to do less, to chill out mm-hmm. uh, in order to get more productivity can sound counterproductive or it sounds like a really nice thing to talk about on a podcast but in reality oh, I'm not going to yeah. do that right <laughs> I'll do that on Saturday between 2 and 2:30 now that I have a baby it's like <laughs> I understand everyone now so what does recovery look like for you what do you actually do what are some of your techniques around so recovery at, yeah as far as being time poor like most people are like it's hard to fit everything into a day I I try and my recovery is doing as many things out of those quadrants and, and putting them into the one beneficial activity. So if I'm... Streamlining if, your recovery is what that Exactly, like. yeah. <laughs> but like getting the benefit. So it's like if I can, if I need to, if I'm doing exercise, right, like and, and something to take my mind off the stress, so something, activity, a hobby that's fun, if I can make sure I'm doing that hobby or activity for me, it might be going for a, a surf. I want to bring friends. Like, so I want to put tie in like hanging out with my friends, which is, you know, one of the best things that you can possibly do for mental health. So it's like, rather than have them separate where I'm only going to see my friends, if we're going to the pub and, and having a few beers and something that's not that great for me, it's like, well, how can I do it at once? So we can go to the gym together with my, my friends or we can go surfing together or we can start up a sporting team in something we like doing or like just that hobby that ties a whole bunch of beneficial things in that relaxes you um all into the one activity is is so you know for me beneficial and it's 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 good if you're time poor and then so that would be like the exercise piece with the relationship add-on um, if I went like specific to emotion and if you if I'm doing um, something in the way of like a mindfulness practice to sort of get out of my head, my constant like mental chatter of all, all things negative, <laughs> doom and gloom, <laughs> I, I would just try and the same thing like p- put in place in that in that mindfulness activity as many layers of beneficial things that I can do so so mindfulness about presence like being in the moment and and not in that thinking part of your brain doom and gloom so you might do a meditative activity but while you're doing that so a breathing activity so you're going to just focus on your breathing for five minutes like inhaling exhaling so just standard meditation you breathe diaphragmatically so if anyone wants it when you take an inhale your, che- your belly should go outwards, not inwards. So diaphragmatically breathing for five minutes. 
and you're focusing just on your breathing, but then I'd maintain postural control in that. So you have to be upright, not hunched over while you do it. Maintain postural control. Then you're doing the breathing. And then you can add, like, take yourself into nature to do it. So you get the benefits of, of nature. So I'll walk along a beach while doing the breathing, while having good posture, and I'm getting the, the beneficial effects of being outside. Um, and then I can add on top of that, like, uh, like positive self-talk, like neuro-linguistic program. Like what, what can you say to yourself that you never hear because you're so hard on yourself all the time? Like different sayings that, that are, uh, are beneficial for you. Uh, and like for me being neurotic, it's like the standard uh, NLP one is I deeply and completely want to truly release my unconscious emotions of fear and anxiety now and forever. And I'll just say that over and over again. And when I say it, like when you actually say things, they have an emotional effect. Like you can't, the best way to highlight that is say something really terrible and see if it doesn't affect you. It's like, I don't know, say whoever your best friend is, say to yourself, I can't believe so-and-so was sleeping with my wife. Or husband, like say that and play it out in your head and see the emotional effect. Oh. It'll make you feel sick. Yeah. So so you're so hardwired to language, right? So so finding those beneficial things that you can say over and over in your head and then so combining all those sort of meditative or mindfulness practice with being out in nature all together for me, that's like the ultimate sort of stress relief and time management all all kind of put into one (laughs) (laughs) squeeze it all together i've heard the term um what comes to mind is like habit bundling so where you can kind of bundle that together so that's kind of the thing that comes to mind so when you do that are you do you lock in time like do you do that every morning do you do it are you conscious of it you know twice a week is it when you're at the red lights like what's your structure or what like if i think about the last week for you yeah what where do you put that in yeah so i'll try and surf every morning if possible on dark like so sunrise so i'll be in the water paddling out in the water at say 10 to 6 when the sun just is rising but in the five minutes before i paddle out into the water i'll walk from my car to the beach in, in a like a sort of mindfulness practice whereas i'll walk along the beach so this is a way of doing so walk along go to the beach or a park where you've got a clear line of sight walk directly in a straight line with your eyes shut and so just to take out all that information that's filtering through your eyes so that's going to relax you straight away and you try and stay on a straight line but the whole time just feeling the ground beneath your feet so that that will be bring you into that present moment and then at the same time if you're walking with your eyes shut out in the world you'll notice like moments of of anxiety creeping up in yourself because you're like well what, what if there's something on the ground there but if you've picked out a line of sight like you don't really have to worry about that but that that angst will just come up and then you can practice like let letting that go and staying confident staying upright and and just strolling through and it's kind of it's immersing your your proprioception back into the environment and and when you do that you're like then lighting up 
the majority of like the right hemisphere in your brain because that's interacting with the world with the subconscious part of your brain and it's taking you out of the thinking space which is so stressful you know that sort of pre frontal cortex planning part of your brain and it takes you out of that and brings you back into the environment and then just trying to walk in a straight line with your eyes shut is like forcing your brain to communicate like bilaterally over and over again and then you're wiring like neurons in your brain over and over again between the hemispheres and that's giving you a more clear perspective or perception of your environment like it's not otherwise say we live our environment like you wake up in the morning i'm going to look at my phone first thing i'm going to get all that information i'm going to see like and it'll be social media so you're getting social feedback that you're constantly thinking about and then you're going to work and you you're doing a, a job where you've got to think a whole lot and you're processing things and and it's like you're just only seeing the world through one sort of one roadmap in your brain and that that's just like forcing all the information of the world through that one stressed out roadmap in your brain and it becomes like too too dominant in the way you function and it changes your perception of the world and that is just like like a, a feedback loop of, of creating unnecessary stress over and over again so forcing yourself into the environment where you force proprioception like understanding where your body is like movement in your body like that's what I would do in the morning, mm. walking down to the surf, and then being in the surf and riding waves forces you to also do it as yeah, well. You're really present, but I can thing. be if I don't do the five minutes walking down to the surf. I can go through a surf still stuck in that thinking part of my brain. I'm barely surfing, and I'm just mulling things over in my head that are negative. You know? Yeah, I should have said this. That I shouldn't have done yeah, that. I've got so this coming up. Exactly. So actually, I like that that sense of grounding. Um, eyes closed, really taking it in. Because even, I mean, even as you were describing that in my head, I'm going, oh, yeah, I'll be the weirdo with my eyes closed that everyone, <laughs> you know, we, we have that that's whole comparison the per- yeah, thing. Yeah, and that's the perfect, and then so to do it even, an even better way, like that highlights that thinking part of your brain, that one that focuses on judgment from people is is dancing. So with music, you know, so, and and. Uh, Trust me, I don't go out and dance in Tell front me, of people. Tell me, do you do that? Trust me, I don't do that. I'm not at that level yet. But, but a, a really good mindfulness practice or whatever you want to call it, meditative practice, is go in a room like where you won't be disturbed at home. You can lock the door, put on like your favourite song and just shut your eyes and, and just – so there's Yoga Nidra is a practice of meditation where you um, – you focus your attention on different parts of your body. So you might go, okay, I'm going to focus my attention on my right big toe and then next my my right knee and then next my maybe my right hip and then my left hip and then and it's guided. So you're listening to someone take What's you through the body. Yoga, yoga nidra. It's nidra. really good, yeah. So my variation on this is what I like to do is with music playing, like favourite upbeat type song, something that you would dance dance to There's something that makes you smile like not a depressing nickelback song or something <laughs> like that <laughs> um something you know and then go through parts of your body right because I'm, I'm not much of a dancer i don't like you know go through parts of your body and move that one part of your body to the rhythm of the song and it might just be flexing your muscles so you might just flex 
your calf muscle, but it has to be in rhythm to the song. And then you might just squeeze your hand in rhythm of the song, and then you might do the other part. So you might you might squeeze your butt cheek in the rhythm of the song. Do you know what I mean? You might just nod your head there and go through your body and do it, and then watch how many times the thought comes into your head of I must look like such an idiot now. Imagine someone saw me doing this, like, and that's that's the voice in your head that you got to not be listening to. And and I think as far as performance goes, in the moment and performance anxiety, it's like the ability to do that nerve wracking thing and and not listen to that thought. That's what a like allows you to access what potential you have. Like if you can separate that that anxiety. I think the the concern about what people think and and the the natural motive to want respect from people love from people is one of the greatest motivators to push yourself to do things to do the training to to put in the hard work but in the moment of the performance you have to be able to separate from thinking about what people are thinking of you because otherwise you won't access that sort of innate knowledge that you have you know because every everyone actually has rhythm I, I have zero rhythm if it's in front of an audience <laughs> do you know what i mean it like, could be your next thing uh, right? I, like, I, I might like, get there but in front of an audience do it for a year yeah, but and then <laughs> i feel like dancing in front of people is the ultimate um example of how that that mental stress of concern about what people think is detrimental to performance you know what There's I mean? something you just said, and uh, I almost I don't want to let it go because it, it is that it's that comparison in whatever it is. What's what's another business doing? What's my colleague doing? What's happening? Those sorts of things is that that holds us back. But something about if you can give yourself enough distance between what you're doing and that voice, putting it to the side, that's where your potential sits. Like the yeah, the, the way that you just said that, I went. Oh, that's well there that's is so it. much so potential, potential. In there, yeah that you don't know about that you could access because all of that is subconscious like and that part of your your intelligence is way stronger way quicker than than the thinking part of your brain like that reacts emotionally to the environment before you think like it, it you respond to a snake on the ground like you've already jumped before you've gone oh there's a snake like you've jumped out of the way like the intelligence is so much more powerful than the thinking part is amazing for planning into the future and assessing things and then giving yourself direction and channeling the subconscious part but so is that intuition you got i think it is yeah it, it's kind of but then to go down a different tack like that intuition piece is is there's there's the innate intelligence there but you have to understand that the intuition piece can be corrupted by your fear as well like so you might think you're intuitively doing the right thing by avoiding something but it might just be your fear yeah playing out in your head so it's kind of but i think that like that's why i think dancing like something so awkward in front of people is such a great way to highlight that because i guarantee if you're in that room by yourself and then once you go through that thing of just feeling the beat and you just let yourself do whatever feels good, like dancing, no judgment, no thinking that this is a good dance move, this is not a good dance move. If you let go of thinking what you look like, 
whatever movement you do will be in rhythm with the mu- music and you have rhythm it's like innate like you watch babies when they hear music they straight away are so in tune to some music so you, you the rhythm's there but the thing that's stopping your rhythm is that you're neurotically thinking about what people are thinking of you and then that that stops the rhythm from coming out and this almost comes back to, you know, that, that sense of presence which then can uh, tip into productivity or tip into mm. that, that uh, accessing that potential yeah. that might sit, sit behind it as well. I want to go down a slightly different tact. Um, what's, how do you, as someone who thinks a lot, is a bit neurotic <laughs> in terms of what could I be doing um, you know, what else, growth, putting yourself in the pathway of growth, constantly wanting to improve and be better uh, in whatever it is that you're you're doing. What's your relationship with social media? Um, how do I you, absolutely how do you hate it, to be honest. Like, d- deep down, there's something – like, but I'm highly addicted to it at the same notion. But And, and I can – completely know that it's wrong but the hard thing for me is that my surfing career is all about generating content putting the content out in the world and based on the marketing value of the content you get paid so it was like the biggest part of my job was when social media exploded your contract is based on followers so i've got to put everything i'm doing in the surf onto social media and i I have to assess if people uh, what they like, what they want to see, what they think about what I'm doing, and then and, and then adjust the feed of what I'm putting out there in accordance to that, roughly, you know, to to grow the followers and then get paid more. Um, but that's a it's such a balancing act because there's no way in any shape or form that it's natural to get feedback from that many people ever in your in human history it's ridiculous and i've never come across anyone no matter how successful they are that can deal with it (laughs) ever like you can have and you listen to like someone someone like joe rogan who's got the biggest podcast in the world um widely widely successful and he even says this like he'll have thousands upon thousands of comments of praise and if he scrolls through him, he sees them. But then if he hits one, like one out of 5,000 comments that's negative, that's all he thinks about after it. So it's like you're just so tuned into mm. those negative things. Comes and back to that brain yeah, practice. The and you're just not supposed to get that much feedback. So to me, now that my career is more public speaking, even though it's like that's now got its own version of that, I I'd, I'd use social media and in a, in a sense for surfing 90% less than what I did and I love that you know but then uh, in the same token it's like you, you have to be and this is what I grapple with a lot it's kind of you, you have to be confident enough to know that you know things that are beneficial for other people to know and that and that that's not just coming from a place of um like you're conceited and narcissistic and you think you know the world, but there are actually people out there that want to hear what your story is and what you've learned because even though maybe 90% of people don't need to know it or don't need to hear it, there's 10% of people that it's valuable to, for whatever reason, they're going through something similar that you've been through and it's, and it's valuable. And 
I just try and like keep reminding myself of that. And, and even I'll constantly go back through the um, positive feedback that I've got from people saying, oh, like hearing about this or this or when you explain that technique, it really helped me in my life and I, I got this and this out of it. And like they're not – it's not like everyone in the audience that you speak to comes back to you with that. Like I don't know, maybe a whole bunch of them are half asleep while you're talking, but it's like you've got to focus on that to keep motivating yourself to do it, you know. Yeah, and that but constant, yeah, love constant hate. student uh, <laughs> student mentality of what else am I learning? What else? Where else am I kind of growing? Yeah, so I think I think po- Joe Rogan says this thing, and he says to everyone, he's like, post and drop, like for a period, and th- and if you need to do assessment on the feedback of what people are liking, like do that once a week, and then stop it, and then you know, like you can't just post and then as comments come in constantly all day reading feedback on yourself like that's half the time the feedback's not beneficial whether it's good or bad like at least half the time and then and if if so much of your positive emotion is coming from that feedback then it's like you you won't look for it in other parts of your life that have that where you need to look for it you know, like in your relationships with your kids and your your, your partner, like that's where a lot of your, your positive emotion needs to come from. And if you're flooding your brain with, yeah, I heard a representative as digital crack, like yes. it's a drug. Yeah. You know? If you're flooding your brain with it and getting so much dopamine from from your phone, then it, it's going to suppress like the called you would know this the receptors the dopamine receptors in your brain so that you're not going to you're not going to need it or want it from uh, other areas of your life that you should yeah yeah, the things that you should matter that should matter yeah yeah which comes back to that getting really clear on what yeah what you want right like what you want what sacrifices you should make (laughs) that's the other one is one of the uh so resilience is a big thing that you talk about i know again in workplaces, in in massive, I mean, we were going through huge changes anyway in our world, uh, but the twenty twenty has brought about even more, and a lot of that is it sits in that unknown. When you, in terms of your own resilience techniques, and if we were to go to that framework mm-hmm. and move towards that emotion quadrant, mm-hmm. uh, some of those emotions around kind of being frustrated having the language to, you know, describe what you're feeling. Um, and again, I'm going to stereotype here, so I, I apologise in advance for the stereotype, but again, for blokes, talking about how you're feeling is not very Australian. Uh, it's not something that's really common in terms of actually being able to have those, um, whether it's mental well-being or mental health, to be able to go, you know what, I'm really struggling or I'm feeling a bit down on myself at the moment. Um, we, don't, we don't do that. We talk about whether the footies, my footy team's winning or not. What are, the, what, what are some of the tripwires for yourself um, and what have you learnt in terms of being able to have the language to express some of that, even your own emotional mm. kind of response? How important has that been for your own mental well-being? I'm definitely the stereotypical 
bottle it up, like never express emotion in in anything. Like and and to be honest, I do think there's a a tipping point or like a almost like a dose of, of expressing emotion. If you don't express it at all, it's unbelievably detrimental to your health because emo- oh, I won't even go down the rabbit hole of explaining like the physics behind what emotion and that type of energy trapped within body. your system yeah. would do. Like I'm not nowhere near qualified for that, but it makes you sick basically. And then, but I also think that the overexpression of it is detrimental as well because it will create a feedback loop where you're addicted to expressing it and 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 the, the becomes that part where when you ex- so something bad happens you express it and you get the moment where you realize that it's n- not all that bad you know like the the relief and the relief triggers like uh such a, an amazing feeling for you you know like because you have the relief so then sometimes that can wire in a an addiction to to things being bad in your life and and i think if you get really addicted to that and you because then you'll constantly focus on the negative and you'll always talk to people about the negative to get to to get the reinforcement that it's not too bad and then you get that sort of hit it's like, that can be like a drug as well so it's kind of it's just that that like exp- emotions that need to be expressed definitely need to be expressed like really bad things in life that you need to talk about like relationship problems like financial pressures that could you know end your career like all these different really serious things definitely need to be expressed um i think having close friends is kind of the the pinnacle of doing that and understanding what it takes to manage a relationship with a, cl- a close friend is so important. Like it's not easy. It's work, you know, and you're, they're not your sounding board all the time that you can unload shit onto, <laughs> you know, it's got to, dump and yeah, run. <laughs> it's back and forth, you know. Yeah. But um, yeah, so I think having that person that or a couple of people that you're comfortable talking with about problems that you know that you'll get half decent feedback and if you don't have them, like a professional like go see someone like you do you know what i mean like that you can and they're they're gonna be they're going to give you better advice than a friend is anyway you know like so if it's beyond just wanting to a sounding board to voice your concerns then a professional would is paramount i think and especially if you don't have those close friends at that point in your life which they might not be around might not be available they might be going through their own dramas and not have time for your dramas think a professional is definitely worth talking to i mean you know this in in psychology it's like as you talk you're processing the the emotions and the situation and more likely than not you come up with the answer and what you need to but it's just a well trained psychologist will know how to bring that out of you and ask you the right questions and like as far as how benefit, it's so unbelievably beneficial to do that. I've got close friends that I confide in. I don't confide, and this is, I don't know if this is against conventional wisdom. I don't confide all my stresses with my wife. Like I think there's some stresses that I have that I don't 
need her to know that I have in that I don't need her to stress about those things. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. I think her but mental... you've got somewhere that you I've can... I've got somewhere I can go to, but I don't want... I don't want her in a state of panic, unnecessary panic when it's like she can't solve it for me. So I don't need her to be stressed. She's got enough stress going on in her life with a new baby, you know? Like, so I, 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 as far as bottling some things, I don't share them all with her, but I have people to share them with. And I, and then the sort of techniques aside from speaking to people about them, which is probably the best one, but then, expressing the emotion whether it's anger or frustration you could, might be able to do that physically you know like take a boxing class or t- you know like unleash some of because it is just energy really the physics of it is just energy like get it out of your system do something really hard to screaming express underwater screaming <laughs> yeah screaming is like the best one like it's such a cathartic thing you know like so if you don't have the person to talk to, then maybe it's something like that. Like feel the frustration and re- like release it in whatever way your body wants to release it. You know, um, and lots of mindfulness practices are really good for it too. Like if you, like we're talking about the yoga nidra, like focusing on um, the sensation within your body. Well, if you if you're really angry or really frustrated, like trying to focus on what that actually physically feels like to be angry like and then articulate it like explain it like or try and write it down what does it feel like when you're angry like physically like so you might go oh it's like i can feel a tightness in my chest you know or i I can feel like my my shoulders sore or my eyebrow furrowing or, or, or i can notice that i'm clenching my teeth like just that process of trying to sort of identify what's happening physically is taking your mind away from the thing that's frustrating you, you know? so it's kind of it gives you that sense of relief and then that thought drifts away and then you're like oh. and then in the moment of relief you might get a better perspective on dealing with the situation it's like ah oh, maybe maybe that emotion is not necessarily warranted to what went on maybe i can deal with it a little differently yeah and that's like the adage of never sending the email in the the (laughs) emotion like sleep on it and and do it do it in the morning write it in a pen and paper and burn it later (laughs) it's a a good way to go interestingly enough one of the emotions that um can be hard to sit with particularly um when people are really driven and uh kind of are there for trying to achieve success one of the emotions that that can be the most hard is joy, mm. is actually just being okay with and feeling that sense of letting go and just being really joyful rather than this kind of anticipating what's not working or even in this moment, whether it's spending time with family or with friends, going, yeah, yeah, this is great, but I've got all this stuff I need to do tomorrow, mm. Just being, which comes back to that probably just being really present. Uh, what's your relationship with joy or what helps you come back to feeling and, and really feeling a sense of joy? Yeah, I need to f- like force myself, not, like force myself but remind myself and do the mindfulness practice to bring me into the present moment. Like when I'm playing with my daughter, you know, I even when when things are good or bad that are going on, in my life separate from what's happening in that moment like i have to consciously think to let go of them 
and 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 be present and and then and I'll do things like imagine what the world's looking like from her eyes right in this moment like and, and just try and like center my focus into that positive emotion that's cool I yeah like that. and and they I can see her respond to it totally because whenever I'm stressed and I'm caught up thinking about maybe something not going right you know career wise no matter what I do, like try and fake it and, and make her laugh or giggle or whatever, it never works. Like she'll she'll be standoffish. But when I can separate and let go of all that and be really present and actually having fun with her and laughing myself and enjoying it, she will respond and laugh hysterically because like the, the sense of what's going on is, is so much more innate rather than them thinking about it, you know, like so it's – can't hide it from them <laughs> which is really good but I, and you would know this with all the study that you've done it, it probably is for a lot of people like like genetic trait personality trait dominant like and a lot of people who are hyper conscientious or neurotic struggle to like get in that present moment and, and you just need to really consciously force yourself and whatever sort of like the way I do when I'm about to go surfing, like I might do a practice like the music one, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like the, the the rhythm one in the room before I walk in to play with my daughter, you know, and then like that'll get me in a better state. And It's like when you do that, it's like, say you, you go do that practice in a room and, and try it. I'm totally going to yeah, do it. I think it's, it's so really cool. Fun. Yeah, but and, and notice like all the times you're going, oh, I'm like, so stupid whatever like and let that go and just feel that rhythm and and do it i guarantee when you walk out of the room it's like the world is brighter like you see the world with more clarity of what it actually looks like because you're not now seeing the world through a filter of your thoughts you know like of and you're not you're not seeing the present moment through a filter of judgment of the future or what's going to happen or apprehension you're just seeing for what it is and it's like you walk out and it's like whoa it's like everything's brighter like like the colors are brighter or what's happening over there is like exciting you know like and you have so much more energy in that situation i always think that the way kids act is like that's what they're experiencing more so you never see kids like walk into a room and, and they want to just like jump up and down on the couch and like or, or run over there and like they see things objects in a totally different way like they, they f- see the world and everything that say in a room as what they can play with or do whereas it's like as you get older and older all that play and like present moment joy gets dampened and you start seeing the world in relation to everything to do with like work or problems or finance and you don't see the the world as it is anymore because it's like the stress just wears you down and a lot of that's to do with your phone and information overload and just never actually like having those playful moments you know and um yeah so i try and in a roundabout way just try and like be regimented in bringing myself back because it's not natural for me I don't if you ask my friends and stuff it's like they would just say yeah he's just the most serious person he's <laughs> never happy he's never you know what I mean like that's kind of what I'm like because I'm quiet introverted a little bit neurotic and like I don't I have to really be conscious about These getting techniques. myself into the moments yeah. and I think that's why I love 
the different techniques a lot more than other people. You know, like I, I, I get a sense, I get a feeling and an experience from meditating or, or from surfing or from whatever that other people wouldn't get because maybe they're naturally like more prone to positive emotion. It's like then meditation for them is like they don't need it. Like and that's awesome. Like you don't need it. Like yeah. you, you know, but where a lot of people who aren't wired like that need it. And if you can get yourself to do it, I guarantee you will feel so good. And sometimes there can be seasons. There can mm. be periods where the intensity is high or something where it feels harder to get to that. Um, so, yeah, it's just, again, it's that experiment. Yeah, I think see. that like the season would be that ebb and flow of like energy. Say like you taxed yourself for a couple of months but you were so successful in whatever you were doing for for two or three months, you had to put in crazy amounts of work on a project and, and then you do it and it's like you've, you've achieved it and then you think everything should be fine because all that stress is gone. But actually it's like now you've got to pay the tax man for, for what you just put your body through and then and it's like why am I so depressed? for uh, The next month I've got nothing to be depressed about. But that's just like whatever level you want to look at it, it's just chemical, it's hormonal. It's like you've taxed your system so much and then that's where the understanding of like that will pass. Like you've got to know that that – like I go through that consistently when I, I run myself down. It's like I can have two weeks straight where I'll be like everything sucks and I, and I, I can't do anything to do with my career or anything. Like nothing is positive <laughs> whatsoever. Mm. But I know in those moments like – I've got to take care of myself. I've got to get good sleep. I've got to just do the meditative practice. I've just got to force myself to do the right thing. And I know that it will pass, you know. And my wife even knows, like, because I've talked to her about it. It's like, you know, off, off the back of whatever I'm doing, whether it's surfing huge waves consistently or doing lots of talks and jet lag and all this thing. Like, look, I know that what I'm acting like for the next week or two is not a reflection of what's going on in <laughs> life. changed permanently. Yeah. This is just yeah, and you're not doing anything wrong. Yep. Like, everything's the same, but I, I might just be down for a week or two, you know, and it will come back because yep. you can't stay high all the time, you know. And sometimes to capitalise on opportunities in work or life, you do have to push yourself to the brink of burnout because yeah. the, the opportunities come Great and go. Great things happen in those moments, yeah, right? And, and successful you, things. You gotta t like it, we live in a ridiculously competitive world and to think that you can be successful without pushing yourself sometimes really hard when you need to, that's just idealistic. <laughs> like it's not, it's not going to happen. Yep. So you got, you're going to have the sort of pitfalls off the back of really pushing yourself. And, and even um, when you describe two weeks or, you know, the next week, I think that there's, there's intelligence in that to, to actually give yourself a period of time because, you know, even from a society point of view or, or you know, I just need a day off or a day to recover and then I'll be right back. Whereas it actually, you know, a, a week or two might be what's required yeah. in giving yourself and – you know, even having the conversations with your loved ones and the people around you to go. Or colleagues actually, at work. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah just recognise. you might be low at the office for a couple of weeks and people take offence to it and I've been through that in my life. Like it's yeah, people don't understand what you're going through and then it, you, it's like you're personally offending them because of whatever reason you're not 
overly excited about what they're talking to about or, or something like as simple as that, you know. Um, and recognising that, I mean, one of the things we're finding talking to people now that a lot of the workforce has gone to working virtually, working from home, working from anywhere, is the safety net of workplaces to be able to pick you up if you are feeling a bit low. You can come in feeling low but actually feel better by lunchtime because you've had a couple of cups of tea with people and you've caught up. Whereas that safety net is not there when you're working from home. So that's where I think a lot of the techniques that we've talked about become so much more important in how can I be mindful in my day around where do I kind of get that that safety net uh, when I mightn't have, have that like I would if I was going into the office. Yeah, and doing like real concise assessments of what, you're going through like writing things down in papers like do you do that are yeah you kind of yeah a, because i got to get them out of my head and because otherwise and how often are you doing that oh, every day or how i'm feeling no it'll be more like like i'll write things down once a month maybe like or or less depending on how things are going but if i if i get one of those down periods it's like referencing like and writing down I feel like shit and, and everything sucks right now and, and right now, okay, like this has happened before and I can go back to the dates of like because I've written it down. It's like and it took two weeks for it to pass. Like so I, I can write down and, and, and clarify like why, I, why it could be happening like and kind of go through. And, and so with what people are going through now, it's like it's understanding the radical changes in your life and the environment, your ability to socialise, you maybe if you're going back through the lockdowns in Melbourne again now, like it's the the ability to be outside, the you know, the weird changes of having to wear, wear face masks, the, all these different things. And it's like actually writing them down. It's like this is going to have this toll on me because that's what happens to humans. You know? So understand, give yourself a break. And this is going to have this toll. But I know that, if I do this, this and this, this down period will pass. Do you know what I mean? Oh, and and I will adapt to this new norm and this is what I've got to do to adapt to it and just like be getting it really clear because otherwise that part of you, you know, like you, your brain justifies itself. It's the speed of light so you can go like, oh, everything's going to be okay but then your brain will just go boom, just, <laughs> just give it no one. Here's These are all the, the things. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like... Yeah, being really clear and highlighting when you've been through tough stuff in the past and that it's, it's you've gotten over it, like highlighting mm. the courage that you showed somewhere, you know, like and, and having it mapped out and ready to draw upon if you need it. Here's my what tools. Worked, yeah. Yeah, what worked, yeah. And that's yeah. where people don't, because you always assess when you do something wrong, but you, you rarely assess the things you do right, you know, and when things go well, it's like, okay, why did they go well? And like be really analytical about what works for you you know and then you can draw upon that and be um committed committed yeah i have to do this because i know and often those sort of things like nutrition movement sleep um everything we've talked about you need to do them for longer than until you feel better yeah and so it's often equated to it's a bit like taking supplements for example Mm -hmm. You, you won't feel that for a while. Yeah. So to expect that, you know, it's that whole, I'll go out for a walk in, uh, in nature 
and then I'll feel amazing. So well, actually, it might yeah. you, you might, might need feel to amazing <laughs> like in the moment, but if you do it consistently in like three months from now, then you'll feel really good. Yes, yeah, That's so true. Yeah, so you'll be better before you feel better. Mm. Um, is often what can happen, but it's yeah. the commitment to the consistency. And of what you're saying is, if I've written it down, I know this strategy worked in the past. That will help me to have that motivation to get up and, yeah. and go and do it again. Be better before you feel better. That's a good one. Like, cause that's, yeah, the, the feeling is the result of the action. So it's kind of, and then, yeah, understanding that the actions worked in the past is, or, or they worked for someone else, you know, like, and then that's proof that maybe you should give them a try. Yeah. I, I kind of like try and get little, for those down periods, motivation wise, just like little hacks that, that I can use. It's like, if, if it's to do with training or exercise and I really don't want to feel like doing it and, and the night before I go to bed, I'm just like, oh, I don't want to wake up earlier. Like I just, and you, you can have a restless night's sleep because of that. So I'm just like at night, it's like I'm not doing anything tomorrow. I'm not going to make a decision tomorrow until I've woken up and had a coffee and then I'm going to decide whether or not I'm going to train. And it's like it's easier for me then I, I get a better night's sleep because it's like I don't have to go and train, it's fine. But I will decide after I have a co coffee, you know, or or I'll put my gym equipment on and have a coffee. That's all I'm going to do. If I don't feel like it after that, then I won't do it. But it's like ninety percent of the time, you just need to get up, get out of bed, put your clothes on, and have a coffee, and just sit there and think about. It. It's like, man, I feel like I'm at the gym now. It's like it totally well. different. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, but at night, off. like, give yourself, like, be kind on yourself, and be like, okay, I don't have to do it. I'll just decide in the morning because you don't want to mull on it all night you know and then have a, a terrible sleep you know like just those little things or sometimes i'll if you really don't feel like doing something i don't do it but i just prepare everything for the next day you know <laughs> like so there's all you take out a whole bunch of roadblocks of, of whatever you need to do like whether it's just get your computer out get to the the emails that you have to to reply to and put it all set out perfectly for the next day yep. <laughs> and that's all you it. need to do yeah, yeah. i won't I'm, I'm not doing it but i'm just going to prepare and then usually you slip into doing it you know little little things like that i find really beneficial or sometimes i'll get the the times i'll try and prove to myself that i can do something when i least feel like doing it so it's like if i'm absolutely exhausted like maybe i'm hung over like i had a big night um and then the next morning it's like i feel terrible it's like i'll force myself to train in that state and just to prove to myself it's like okay i you know when i feel bad i can still get through it and i feel good on the other side and if you can prove yourself up front that you can do things when you really don't feel like doing with doing them it's like it's really motivating to know that deep down in you, you can do it, you know, so it's... I so think then I can choose not to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but but I've got that evidence. But you've got I've the, got yeah, they're just different ways of playing setting, with yeah, yourself. Yeah, setting something with, up. With your psychology to understand what to... Because um, I think if you get stale, that's the worst thing, you know. You want to keep playing around with different things to motivate you. What you um, what you talked about 
uh, before James Clear talks about that, so his book uh, Atomic Habits. Oh, I have, yeah, about, I've seen um, the art of showing up. Yeah. and he tells this story about a fellow who he wanted because uh, your identity is so closely attached to your habits, so mm. what you do. Um, and this fellow who wanted to be the kind of person who goes to the gym, and so for two weeks he got up every single morning, put on his gym gear, went to the gym for two minutes. No more. So he actually so took good. longer to get to the gym and come home than he did. Than he stayed there, but the intention was to become someone that goes to the gym every morning. So he did, and then after that two weeks, he then stayed for five minutes, and then stayed for ten minutes. Uh, but the main thing he was mastering was just the art of showing up. Yeah. So even just that that sense of getting up in the morning, putting your gym gear on, and going well. That's it. It's That's all I need a, yeah. to do. And then so I've got true. that habit of getting up, putting my gym gear on. Then I might, you know, actually walk down the stairs and stand out in the front of the gym. Like, and so just these tiny little micro changes. Yeah, and you alter all those different things in you. That like getting up early is going to be tough no matter what for the first couple of weeks, and then it won't be tough. You know, yep. <laughs> like it's yeah. Yeah, you're altering all those different little things. To, and experimenting uh, yeah. with it, which is what you're kind of describing describing as well. And then you get those feedback loops as like then reinforcing like subconsciously. Like you, your body functions without you thinking all the time. And it's like if you just force those little habitual patterns into it, it's like something will click and then it's like, oh, you don't even have to think about it. You just do it, you know. Especially if you're really conscious that they're the good ones, yeah, the ones you want exactly. to be fostering. <laughs> that, that's the fight between <laughs> the two. I, I always think about it's like you, it's it's so easy to get like the abundance of dopamine and stuff from your vices. Like they're just there. They're so easy. Like whether it's social media or watching Netflix or drugs, alcohol, gambling. Like there's all these things that are just on your doorstep to do them and they're so hard to not do and i'm not saying that like you should never do anything like that but it's for me i've always found that if unless i'm getting enough reward from beneficial things or like long-term sustainable positive actions i can't control like it's like your brain will just go there like whether it's eating junk food you know like if i'm not if i'm done stuff good through the day where that's made me feel good about whatever i'm doing that night i'll want mcdonald's or something way more than than the days where i've actually done something yeah it's just like it's so much easier to sacrifice those things once you get the the positive emotion from from just doing something that progresses you towards something meaningful but if you don't get down going on that path and that's why when i talk to younger people to kids it's like if you don't get going on that path early, like that moving towards meaningful goals, because that's so much harder. If you don't get there early and you go down the path of the vices and they control you, man, it like you get the points almost impossible to dig yourself out of situations that you'll end up in. They're down so the easy, track. Ha- easy to get to. There, then you're so they addicted you the to them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I want to come full circle. The name of the podcast is Standout Life. I've asked you that question before, so I'm going to tweak it a little bit in the current context of dealing with heightened change environments. And you might have kind of answered it a little bit, but what does it mean to you to live a standout life in amongst uncertainty and change? What does that look like? 
I think for me, I think in, like continual growth in different aspects of your life, like whether it's like your career, your your hobbies and your passions or your relationships, like just continual growth in those areas is kind of what makes you resilient and you might have had that before the pandemic hit and then the pandemic and the radical change in the environment just shattered the ability to to get the progression like it just shatters it you know like that's what happened to me with my finances and career and making money just shattered in the blink of an eye but i think the quicker you can then reassess and reset your goals for the foreseeable future like for me i'm like i'm just going to play it by worst case scenario now like originally i was kind of optimistic that things would go back to normal maybe by the end of the year maybe they won't so at the moment i'm like okay here's a two-year plan for me based on worst case scenario that i won't be doing live events no conferences for two years how can I structure life that I can, you know, still progress, even though it's not to the original goals, but it's in the general direction and I can feel good because I can hit these goals. They're different to the ones before, but if I can hit them, I can still be just as happy and, and um, just as resilient about what we're dealing with. And growing. Than I was. And, and continually growing. You just grow at a different rate, but it just need to see some sort of progression so like for me it's like i i have more time now <laughs> I i'm not traveling so much i'm not i i just doing online courses on whatever subjects are valuable for me i i just try and find the the where i can find some gratitude in the new environment it's like the amount of time i get to spend with my daughter is just such a blessing you know and um I constantly also remind myself of how much worse it can be and that's it's not hard to find examples of people going through things in life that are so much worse than than what you're dealing with and even though people might be dealing with some really tough stuff it's like it's just beneficial i think to find what could be worse and allow that to try and sort of reframe what you're dealing with because it just might shed some positive light on the situation and that little shed of positive light might change the way you respond in the situation and then you'll get out in a better way, you know, like, and that might be all it takes. So I think that reframing and then you can, once you put all that into place, then the standout life's the byproduct, you know, like the things happen that are, that are amazing just as a byproduct because you just stick into the framework. You know. The opportunities that we don't know, the unforeseen ones that maybe were never there down the original path exactly. might start to open up. Have and have no idea what might be there. Not at all, not <laughs> yeah. at all. And as you were describing before, like even areas of your kind of business and work that you never had to because it was all working uh, opens up new things, let alone just that sense and reminder of actually what's in our world that's actually already pretty good. Yeah, pretty awesome to hang out with you again thank you so much for your time and given you've got all this time maybe we'll do it again yeah (laughs) yeah, definitely i feel like i could chat to you for hours it's awesome i've loved it very rare you get to sit down with a psychologist (laughs) for free and talk (laughs) and pick your brain oh like invoices in the mail (laughs) no i've loved it thanks mate thanks for having me
thank you so much for tuning in to today's amazing episode. These are episodes that I want to continue to bring to the world because I believe everyone has a story to share and that we can learn and grow by diving into these stories. Now, if you have gotten something out of today's episode or any of the episodes from the Standout Life podcast series, then it's highly likely that you know someone else who would get something from these episodes as well. So my ask to you is to please share the series, send someone today a link, subscribe, rate and review. And by doing that, this podcast starts to pop and be seen by others around the world and we can continue to expand the people, the conversations and the insights that we share together.